chapter 12. Ezekiel chapter 12. Uh, we're going to finish chapter 12, and as Scott mentioned, uh, after VBS next week, of course, we won't have the Wednesday service. Uh, the remainder of August, I'll be doing uh, reflections from Hebrews. So obviously, Hebrews uh, is, we're not going to be able to cover the book of Hebrews in that month. So I'm just going to take a couple little sections because the kids will be up here, so it'll be formatted uh, to you guys as well as your, your families. Uh, and uh, I think it'll be a really kind of neat three or four areas that we'll hit in the book of Hebrews. And then in September, um, you know, we're, we're looking, I'm looking at a couple of discipleship areas that'll be really good for couples, families. And then we'll kind of go in and out of Ezekiel uh, because it's such a long book and uh, there is a lot of things in it that, uh, that are not only repetitive but quite heavy. So we'll go in, we'll go out. And so that's just kind of give you an update. But starting with uh, verse 17 tonight, we'll finish the 12th chapter, and then, like I said, we'll come back uh, sometime in September, perhaps the first week of uh, October, uh, to pick it back up with Ezekiel. Starting with verse 17, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, eat your bread with quaking, and drink your water with trembling and anxiety. And say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord God to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the land of Israel. They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with dread so that our land may be emptied of all who are in it because of the violence of all who dwell in it. Then the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste and the land shall become desolate and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that the people have about the land of Israel which says the days are prolonged and every vision fails? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But they say to them, the days are at hand, and the fulfillment of every vision. For no more shall there be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord, I speak, uh, and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord God. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying, The vision he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled our time in God's Word, Closer Than Believed. Closer Than Believed. We'll look at three things in our text, frightening, false, and fast. Frightening, false, and fast. And starting off here, we had um, uh, done the first half of the chapter uh, a couple weeks ago, and he had uh, given the picture illustration Ezekiel had done as the Lord commanded, remember, he was, had to make a hole in the side of his house there in Babylon, and he had to carry out, uh, not everything, but he had to carry out some of his possessions so people could see him lugging his stuff out of his house uh, as if uh, in the same way when Israel would go into captivity, they also would be able to carry just a few sparse things away. The damage to their house would be there, uh, and then you would also have people trying to escape through uh, small areas, which that did, would not work either. Uh, but he was giving that uh, picture or that illustration in the first half of the chapter, and now we see uh, he has yet another uh, that the Lord has uh, given him to portray. Now we, let's look at these first few verses under, uh, if you're taking notes, under frightening. Um, we see that uh, he is given... This illustration to eat the bread and water and to do it with quaking. And um, throughout Ezekiel's time, he has been giving uh, illustration after illustration as each one as the Lord gives him. Uh, the people hear him, but do they believe him? Do they really think that these things are going to happen? Uh, it really kind of uh, surprises me that all the things, and you've heard me mention it throughout the study, all the things that Israel could see that have happened to the nation, 
from the time it broke into two kingdoms and everything that happened afterwards, as well as these people being in captivity themselves under the first and the second siege, albeit Jerusalem was never destroyed, to me there would be more than enough ample evidence to think that anything the prophets were saying, we should pay attention to, we should heed it, we should turn to the Lord. But this was not the case. The political leaders that are back in Jerusalem, remember Ezekiel is over in Babylon, as is Daniel. Both of them carried away in exile, the first and the second siege. But Ezekiel is prophesying to the exiles. Sometimes he's prophesying to the exiles to them. Sometimes he's prophesying to the exiles all the way about. Well, to some extent, he's always talking about Jerusalem, but sometimes he's talking about the people back there. And on occasion, he's talking about the rebellious hearts of the actual exiles who still think they're going to go back to Jerusalem any day now. <laughs> Not any day now, but you know, sooner, than, uh, sooner than later. Uh, the fact that Jerusalem would be destroyed sooner than later, neither uh, uh, believe in. Neither the captives that are there with Ezekiel, and certainly not most of Jerusalem. Most of Jerusalem does not see that in their near-term future either. The political leaders and the religious leaders and the upper class of Jerusalem that's still in Jerusalem, for the most part, they have rejected the word of the prophets that God has sent to warn Jerusalem. They've rejected them each and every time. Most of the people followed the leaders and their rejection. So the people followed the leaders and their rejection. As we saw back in chapter 9, uh, there was, however, God giving him a vision of the future, a remnant which would be marked and spared because they sighed they groaned over the wickedness and the rebellion of the nation. So there was, there was a pocket or a, a small group, a remnant, that actually was really, really broken over the sins of the land. Maybe the same way when you watch the news, it's really hard to watch sometimes, isn't it? And you, are, you groan in your spirit or you're broken about what you see in the land. You wonder, can anyone see this? Is everyone blind? I mean, are we, not, are we not looking at the same day here or the same picture? And there were certainly those in Jerusalem. But they were the minority. The vast, remember, the leaders rejected the prophets. The religious leaders, those are the political leaders, the religious leaders, and the upper class, and, and for the most part, all of society, even the middle class, uh, they followed the leaders, and they also rejected. Now, Isaiah, as we've talked about in previous studies, about 150 years earlier, uh, he had long prophesied, well before even Jeremiah was born, who came you know, just slightly before Daniel and Ezekiel, he had prophesied about the coming judgment against Jerusalem. Uh, but not only had he been rejected, if you've been with us, he was executed. Uh, he was actually killed. Manasseh, uh, according to tradition, put him in a log and sawed him in two, which is where we see the reference there in Hebrews in the Hall of Faith. Um, Jeremiah, of course, he's still alive at this point. If you're reading chapter 12, verses 17 through 28, Jeremiah is alive at that exact time back in Jerusalem. But where is he at? He's in the dungeon. Why? because he continued to prophesy and tell them that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and they must turn themselves over to Babylon or else. And so he finds himself uh, in the dungeon where he was confined and told to be quiet. And so that's where Jeremiah is at this time. For a time, everyone in Jerusalem continued with business as usual. Yes, they had Isaiah's prophecies 150 years earlier. They had Jeremiah neatly tucked away down in the dungeon, although he did get to get out of the worst part of the miry sewage part of the dungeon. He got to get up into the courtyard of the dungeon. Um, it's kind of the nicer place of jail if you have to hang out there. I can't think of a night. You know, we go to, there's not a single part of the place we visit that I would like to spend the weekend it's nice to share the gospel with uh, the, the folks that we go in there, but uh, there's no really good place hanging out in jail. But nevertheless, that's where uh, Jeremiah is. But the rest of the city, they continued at least at this time. Remember, the judgment is still somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four years away, or three to five years away. We, you know, the, the timing, if you, the historians, to figure out the exact 
time is difficult. But somewhere in three to five years away is when Ezekiel is being given this information. So the most of the city continues in Jerusalem. Business as usual. Uh, enjoy your food. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the city. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy whatever makes you feel good. If that's idolatry, have at it. If that's immorality, enjoy that. If that's pagan practices, that's fine. It's your business, was the philosophy of the city. Sound familiar? That was the philosophy of everybody that was still in Jerusalem, with the exception, again, of that small remnant. Um, oh, and if you want to, uh, you know, they might, you know, you might have your leadership there saying, if you want to, if you want to keep some of the commandments, fine. Uh, if you want to keep some of the temple requirements, that's fine too. If you want to keep some elements of the Jewish feast, feel free. We'll, we'll have it available to you at the temple. You can come enjoy what these things are. If you uh, just enjoy, uh, you know, if you want to have a mix of the law and a mix of lawlessness. You know, we can accommodate this, that in Jerusalem too. I mean, this is kind of the philosophy uh, of the time. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, really kind of want to just choose your own way of, uh, you know, interpreting uh, what Moses wrote, that's fine too. I mean, it, it, everyone's opinions is as good as the next. Everybody, just do what you want to do. Uh, don't be bothered by, you know, Jeremiah and all the, you know, Isaiah. He's long before, you know, they, they, they always rain on our parade. The city at this time, it's in great shape, relatively speaking. It's still, the city still looks beautiful. Everything is still, uh, looks, I mean, if you came to Jerusalem at that time, you would say uh, everything's fine. Everything looks great here. Market's doing well. Plenty of commercial business going on. Everything looks normal. Nothing, doesn't seem like any storm clouds are in the distance. Society's doing well. Uh, you know, why worry? At this point, if you're in Jerusalem, you know, Ezekiel's getting this message from the Lord that it's very soon, although he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know that that's three to five years away. He doesn't know what very soon is. But nevertheless, uh, the city at this time, uh, why, would, why would the people there want to worry themselves uh, with the doomsday prophets who are always uh, bringing bad news? I mean, you know, no one wants the, the doomsday prophets. They're always bringing the bad news. They're always the downer, you know. Everyone's enjoying Jerusalem. <sighs> Jeremiah, again? How many times do we have to tell you this? Isaiah said this 150 years ago. And you see how it turned out for him. Do you really want us to saw you in half? You know, we don't want to do that to you. Can you just be quiet? And so for a time, everyone was able to tune out the voices. Tune out the voices, but the voices were being sent by God. They're not tuning out Jeremiah. They're not tuning out Ezekiel, although Ezekiel's nowhere near them. He's over in Babylon. He's receiving on behalf of them. Uh, but they're not tuning out, and then the exiles, who still don't want to believe what Ezekiel's saying, anyone is tuning out, they're not tuning out the prophets, or the pastor, or the preacher, they're tuning out God. And they're pursuing their lives, at this point, so far uninterrupted by judgment, uninterrupted by any immediate need, at least in their minds, to repent. Everything is happening the same way it did the year before that, the year before that, and Oh, you know, didn't we have a couple of people get carried away in exile? Yeah, 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 that was uh, not a big deal. That would be a big deal to me, but they were able to kind of put all those things out of their mind because their life had returned to normal. Uh, I remember, you know, I, I cite 9-11 a number of times every year because uh, to me it was a watershed in our nation, and it was a watershed on the psyche of our nation, how we think, how we respond to things, uh, it is a, sen a seminal moment uh, in so many ways. Uh, but remember, it didn't take that long for most people to return to normal, whatever normal is, right? Uh, people return to their normal ways. If they were non-churchgoers, they went back to being non-churchgoers. If they were, you know, uh, just, you know, I'm not sure I believe all that. that wasn't I'm not sure I believe all that. You know, again, uh, is, is there evil? Is there good? Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, 
And so we saw, we saw people return relatively normal, and Jerusalem uh, was in the same boat in this time. Now the Lord here, he has Ezekiel, though, portray yet another object lesson uh, for the people in exile. And uh, again, the people in exile, they don't have email, uh, they don't have any way of communicating what Ezekiel just did back to their relatives in Jerusalem, but uh, for whatever reason, God has him portray it to them, and they are the audience that gets to receive the message. So the Lord has him uh, get some water and get some bread, and whenever he eats it, whenever he eats water and bread, at least for this, whatever this block of time that God gave him, he's supposed to eat it shaking and quaking. Uh, it's a testimony to these uh, other uh, exiles there of what things will be like, what things will be like in Jerusalem. Not the way they were at that time, but the way that they will be like the people that they grew up with, the people that they knew, uh, they will be experiencing this same kind of behavior where they're eating, shaking. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been afraid enough or unnerved that your hands shook. I mean, most of us sometime in our life have had that experience where something frightened us enough or caught us off guard enough uh, that your, kinda, your body's natural reaction uh, is shaking. You know, we have the term quaking in the boots or quaking in your boots uh, where you really do have that fear that causes the body to shake. Maybe at, if you've ever had one of those near accidents in a, on the highway where you really saw your life nearly pass before you, uh, I remember driving home back when I was uh, in college. I wasn't saved then. I'll never forget it because uh, it was one of those times I looked back that God spared my life. Uh, but I was riding home. I was a bartender at the time at three in the morning and uh, there was, it was a dark road. I was the only one on the road, and I came to one of those four-way stops at the blinking yellow. And it was the weirdest thing. I, I usually would cruise through that thing at 70 miles an hour because there was no one on the road at 3 a.m. But that night, something told me to slow way down. I never slowed down there, ever. But I did that night, and a car went through at about 90 um, and I, I, because I slowed down, my car spun like three times because I had slowed down to, I don't know what I was at, 30, it was probably less than I thought it was, but enough that it caused my whole car because I hit the brakes, spun, that car went by. I would have been in pieces, but I know that my body was shaking because that rattled me in a lot of ways. And I had been hearing the gospel in the past year. Uh, prior to that, too, I had gone to church a couple times at Calvary, Fort Lauderdale, didn't give my life to Christ. And uh, God uses those things, doesn't he? And you'll never forget them. And I shook like that. And I, I, I had that kind of uh, instant impact on the nerve endings and the stress level spikes up. And, you know, when you've experienced none of that, that doesn't feel good on the body, does it? But imagine doing this every single day. And so this is what the Lord has Ezekiel doing. Every day, I want you to go out in front of them. Take water, take bread, and shake like you are petrified, like your entire nerves are frayed every day for whatever block of time the Lord gives them. Sometimes the Lord tells us in the text how long it was. Here we don't have that. But uh, Ezekiel's is instructed to just quiver continuously, uh, and all the while he's, he's eating everyone's favorite gourmet meal, bread and water. Delicious. You can kind of overlook that in the text when you read it, just uh, it's bread and water. No, no, think about if that is your life. Not only are you petrified, not only are your nerves frayed, not only have you no peace in your mind, but your food is literally bread and water. This isn't just a picture. This is where it's headed, bread and water. Eventually, there won't even be that, and then they'll get to eating each other and eating their children and all that stuff. Uh, it gets even worse than that. But uh, when the initial phases would start to come and the anxiety and the food would dry up, bread and water would be the last things left, and that's only because they have water reserves. Even in Israel today, you can see in Jerusalem where the cisterns were built in the city where they had rerouted the springs, goes all the way back to Hezekiah. But a time is coming at this point, that the people in Jerusalem, when they eat, what little they can find is going to be an absolute dread 
and fear. It says right here in the text, and drink their water with dread. They shall, again, it hasn't happened yet. It's not happening currently. God says they shall eat their bread with anxiety. They're not eating with anxiety right now. They're still having gelato. They're still having movie popcorn. They're still having Cheesecake Factory. Uh, if y'all are getting hungry now, I'm sorry. Uh, but they're still having the thing, fried chicken and whatever else. That, but they don't really eat fried chicken over in Israel. I didn't see that there. But um, hummus. All those great things. But those things will be gone. They shall be eating bread and water, and they'll be doing it in dread and fear. And they're going to be living in a constant state of impending doom. The pall of death will begin to sit over the city. Now, let's take a look at what was taking place during this time. Now, uh, by the way, it mentions because of all the violence of all that were in it. Uh, again, the, you know, there was the violence that was uh, extolled. Uh, there was the violence that was, uh, uh, that was against those that were speaking uh, the truth. Of course, uh, the nation itself, there was idolatrous practices uh, that, were, that involved violence and bloodshed. There was all kinds of things that were just abominations in the land. The immorality, there's many things God could have mentioned, but he does mention here uh, the violence, and violence is going to come against him. Now, remember, all rebellion is violence towards God as well. So God alone, uh, they are violating his commands, and so great uh, judgment is coming. But that's not what the people are being told. If you're taking notes under false, uh, verses 21 through 24, uh, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that you people have about the land of Israel? I, I, Ezekiel's like, what do you mean you people? I don't say this proverb. You know, sometimes God speaks to all of us because it's good for us to be included. Remember when Isaiah went before the Lord? He says, I am a, I am a sinful man. I live a pe among a people with unclean lips uh, that we need to be included uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, uh, we can look at the wickedness of the land, uh, but we always want to pray uh, kind of with the people that, Lord, have mercy on us collectively. Not just have mercy on them, uh, but have mercy on us. Um, you know, even on our best days, uh, you and I, we have more than enough to send ourselves to hell. Amen? Even on our best days. It's good to remember that we uh, are just sinners saved by grace. Uh, you know, I just told you, me driving home that night, uh, you know, I, I had many opportunities prior to that to have already given my life to Christ, but I continued to, to push and uh, not yet. I, you know, I didn't want to give up my ways. And so the people that are around us, they're in the same place now. Uh, and we want to be uh, praying for them and reaching out to them. But the Lord says, what is this proverb uh, that the people uh, have about the land of Israel, which says the days are prolonged and every vision fails? I always love when God asks questions he already knows the answer to in scriptures. Jesus does this a lot, doesn't he? Uh, the Lord does it. He'll ask these questions. Uh, he really wants us to examine. God already knows the answer to these questions. But he wants us to examine what is the root of this? Why are the people saying, oh, the days are prolonged, the vision fails? What's at the core of why people say things like this? What is it that they really, really kind of have in their heart? What's really there? Uh, and we certainly want to uh, ask ourselves, you know, what's, what's in our own hearts? But at this time, uh, this is not, uh, it's not the current condition of Jerusalem because it's not in a time of trembling anxiety yet. Uh, the people are not starving to death. Uh, they have not been put under siege with the armies of Babylon surrounding the city, and they're walled in. This hasn't taken place yet. But although none of these things have taken place, going back to the fact that the original kind of prophecies directed, I mean very directly, the original prophecies about all these things happen go all the way back to Moses, as we've talked about, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But the specific ones that started to come first through Isaiah and then through Jeremiah, these were 
well-known, but well-rejected. You know, everybody just kind of, you know, that, yeah, that, that's those wacko Isaiah's ideas, or you know, these are, um, you know, Jeremiah's ideas. And yet at the same time, when those prophecies would come out of the mouth, the Bible says that the word of God never returns void. You believe that? That it never returns void. Even when people say, I don't believe a word you say, when they're laying in their bed that night, they're believing some of what you said. What makes them not follow it? They get into that internal battle of the sinful flesh against the voice of the Holy Spirit bidding them, right? Because the Holy Spirit's bidding all men to come. But men love eat darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And though the people of Jerusalem have heard these prophecies, they've heard these messages, it's still not enough to turn them to God. They haven't really seen the kind of trouble that they have been told is coming. But there's also, there's also this undercurrent of doubt and fears that is seeping in. Why do we know that this is the case? Well, if this wasn't the case, there'd be no need for a proverb like this. Look, notice uh, you know, what the proverb says. It says, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. They have a propaganda campaign that this is usually started by someone in leadership, political leadership, or religious leadership to debunk any fear. Hey, 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 hey. Jeremiah preached a really good crusade. And some of you got a little unsettled. And some of you think that Babylon's going to come and wipe us out one day. Jeremiah is a goofball. He's a kook. And do not listen to him. Our economy's robust. We're doing better than we've ever done. Um, did you not see the Jerusalem market uh, watch report? We're doing great. Uh, we have great relations with Babylon. Our ambassador and their ambassador are like this. We have really good relationships with Babylon. You've got nothing to worry about, folks. But some of the people in Jerusalem were saying, I don't know, still looks like this could happen someday. And what if God really does get angry about all this sin? Whoa, time out, time out, time out. God is a lot more tolerant than your mind is. You need to understand the nature of God. So now you have the religious leaders explain to them, no, God is very tolerant. He loves your new lifestyle changes because they reflect the diversity in him. All of these different things. But the people would say, but what if the prophets are correct? What if these things are correct? What if some of the cracks in the culture, what if some of the support structure, what if the economy, what if the military, what if the food supply is more than just these cracks that we see, what if they get fully blown wide open? Cracks they can already see with their own eyes, and the people would have a pretty good sense what could happen if these cracks are blown wide open. You know, you've, you know the proverbial, you, know, you can't put your finger in a dam uh, with, and, and stop, stop a little leak, Right? Because eventually that water pressure just begins to widen that thing and eventually it'll blow through granite. And the pressure will build and the pressure will build. And by the way, the whole world, that pressure is building as we get to the return of Jesus Christ. But the leaders, they had this proverb. The days are prolonged. Hey, 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 hey. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. Maybe Jeremiah's right about this much. Maybe Isaiah's right about this much. But even if they are, it's way overblown. It's not going to be, we might have a little bit of difficulty, but it'll be nothing like Isaiah and Jeremiah that we're going to be you know, wiped out and carried away in captivity and dispersed among the nations and all that stuff. It won't be anything like that. But maybe if they're right, it's a long ways off. That's your great, great, great grandchildren's problem. Right? That $17 trillion debt will never affect you. Ever. That'll affect somebody else. And I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm, I mean, I, but our own country, we have our own issues that are very kind of similar mindset. That, that it, 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 if, it's, if it's anything at all, it's got to be way out there. 
Or the religious leaders, they might even say something like this, the Lord is for us. What do you got to be worried about? He's in the temple. This is the temple that Solomon built for him. He's in the temple. Of course, he's not in the temple. His glory left the temple in the previous two chapters. But they would still say he's there. They weren't there when Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord leave. That was something God showed to a man of God. But they didn't know the glory of the Lord left. As far as they were concerned, he was still there. You know, I was um, this kind of sense of, uh, on the one hand, you have this dichotomy in, in, in Israel at this time, and I believe you have the same dichotomy uh, in parts of the world, definitely in the United States. Wherever you have a great measure of prosperity and blessing, but you also have a great measure of rebellion and sin, uh, you have this dichotomy of part of you kind of senses this could all go off the rails, and the other part of you has the ostrich put your head in the sand. And you kind of have a double-mindedness that, that the book of James talks about, although it's talking about a different type of double-mindedness. But, uh, but again, that kind of, uh, on the one hand, oh, things are going to be great for another 200 years. Wow, things could go wrong. And that's kind of like America, because I look at, you can't find a more liberal um, bastion than Hollywood. So Hollywood, on the one hand, they would be the folks, when you talk about the big wigs that are out there that are, you know, have eight homes around the world, fly on private jets. I mean, their life is really the way most people would look at it as, wow, they have it all. And they would be the ones that tell you, we don't have any issues. I mean, other than, than um, uh, global warming uh, and, and, and a few whales and things like that. But other than that, everything is great. Everything is fantastic. And then they're the ones that make the doomsday movies. The very people that if you talk to them, tell you that life is fantastic, they're there on the red carpet. Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, we just built a home in Aspen and, you know, this and that. And, uh, oh, it couldn't be better. I mean, it's wonderful. This is the greatest country on earth. And I'd like to thank fifth. And, and finally, they have this thing, you've got to get off the stage because they're still talking and thanking all these people. And they're the ones that keep making doomsday movies, one after another. I just, I, I just said, well, I don't know what's at the theater. I just need to check. Is there, I, I said, I bet there's at least one Doomsday movie at the theater right now. So I went and checked Commonwealth 20, and sure enough, I went online. There's a movie, I guess it's out right now, called The Annual Purge, and it takes place March 21st, 2023. And the way that they handle the, the, the just kind of overpopulation and people getting out as one night where crime is, and people just murder each other that night, and the government looks the other way because it cleans out the lower class. What a wonderful concept. Thank you, Hollywood, for writing this. Because deep down, they know that the very things that they think God is not watching, other part of them says, I think he's watching. And I think this could all become unhinged at some point in time. Now, they write it in many different ways. Sometimes it's like Chicago looks like Mars now, and it's a you know, smoldering scape of something else. But this is the kind of... So they tell themselves a proverb. Oh, that's a long ways off. It's got to be at least 2023. I was surprised they didn't say 2098. Because some of them are like that too, like 20 year 2053. It's always, it's always somebody else's problem. The popular proverb here that the Lord speaks of in Ezekiel's day, it sounds like a modern-day campaign speech. Something that go, might go something like this. America's best days are ahead of them. Don't listen to the negative killjoys that try and act like the sky is falling. The sky's not falling. Now, really, us as believers, the sky's not falling for us because if the sky falls, that means Jesus is taking us home. So, it ain't fallen for us. Amen? Uh, we were praying as a family this morning for our brothers and sisters around the world. The ones that have been martyred are in heaven with Jesus with white robes. They don't miss this place at all. Amen? Now, I, it, it disturbs me and saddens me what they had to go through to enter into those white robes. But they don't miss this place at all. And we're not trying to hold on to New York City and, you know, everything else in the world. We're not trying to hold on. We know that these things have a shelf life that God has predetermined. But 
the prophets are trying to tell them this is what's coming, and then the false prophets and the political leaders are saying, no, 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 you got nothing to worry about. Go back to sleep. Everything's okay. 300 channels on your TV. Find one you like and, and enjoy it, right? Now, there is a way that America's best days could be ahead of us, but that's only through repentance. Amen? I don't believe that America is necessarily doomed. If we had a great awakening and everybody turns to the Lord, God could give us 50 years of the most wonderful time. Now, I don't know if that could happen. I tend to think not when I look at the scriptures, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to you know, walk around. We don't know the future, but if America turned back to the Lord. But any leader, here's my point, any, any pastor, any religious leader, any political leader that says our best days are ahead of us, but doesn't include repentance, is lying. Or they're completely deceived. Because it's not, our best days are not in front of us unless there's repentance. Um, but again, I think the people, uh, they had a sense that these things that they've been told were probably true, but they don't want to believe them, so it's easier to create an illusion for yourself. And this is what the Lord says in Lamentations 2, 14. Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not, listen to this, what God says in Lamentations 2, 14. They have not uncovered your iniquity. These are pastors that will refuse to preach on sin. They will not preach on sin because that will offend people and they won't come back and will have empty seats of the church and they won't give us their money. And so therefore, let's not disturb them right? That's what he's saying. Your prophets have seen false and deceptive visions. They have not uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but they have, they have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. Do you know that God says they don't want to bring back the captives? You know, the real heart of someone who is willing to preach about sin actually loves and wants to bring people out of bondage. The folks that won't preach on sin, they want to keep people in bondage, and some of them are the very ones that are making the most money on little widows that are watching, you know, a TV show and saying, you know, to plant your money here. And, and these are people on fixed incomes sending half their paycheck to people that are millionaires with Bibles in their hand. And so it's not new. It happened in Israel's day. It happens in our day. Uh, but various forms of false deception deceiving the people. This dichotomy. The people had some conviction, and yet the religious leaders and political leaders were always there to help them galvanize the part that said, put your head in the sand. Whereas the prophets of God, when John the Baptist comes on the scene, what does he do? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Everyone else, the other religious leaders, they want the status quo. They want people in bondage. They want people in the system that works to their advantage. Remember, only 10% of the people at that time were actually well-to-do. They liked having those people underfoot. And so the leaders themselves, as long as they were in charge, they were going to have the Epicurean philosophy of eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, if whenever that is. But they refused to repent, and they would bring many other people into death and destruction with them. Now, when will all this take place? We close with verses 25 through 28. verse 24 he says no more shall there be any false uh, vision or flattering divination then in verse 29 for i am the lord i speak the word which i speak will come to pass it will no more be postponed for in your days now here we have the first clue of when well we know it's going to be in ezekiel's lifetime because god says in your days you know if god were to tell you and i in your days well, Ezekiel's about, you know, he's in his mid-30s or somewhere in that time. He's, he's a few years past his 30th birthday, which was back in chapter 1. So in his lifetime, and he, he, he can only guess at that point how far that is, but he, he knows he's now going to see Jerusalem collapse and be destroyed in his lifetime. For in your days, O, o rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it. The days are coming. And again, the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Son of man, 
the house of Israel, the vision that uh, he sees is for many days from now off, or they say, the house of Israel says that it's many days off. Uh, verse 28, therefore, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done. Now, by the way, in verse 25, even though it says, for your, in your days, O rebellious house, um, again, collectively, uh, Ezekiel is part of their days. I mean, they're all in this time and space together, but in the days of which I'm speaking, it's right around the corner. He doesn't have an idea. He doesn't know if it's three years, five years, 20 years, but it certainly is in the days of the people that are living with him in his lifetime, in his period of time. Um, and it's a reminder to us um, that, <laughs> that when the Lord uh, says that things will happen, uh, they will happen. You know, Noah uh, was told that he had to get ready. But he wasn't told when things were going to take place, was he? He didn't know when, but he certainly could see the signs around him. Jesus said in Luke 17, 16 to 17, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, you and I are told, it, uh, the scriptures say it's high time to awake out of sleep uh, for our redemption. We know is drawing nigh. We, we'll be able to see these things. Jesus said, you can see the storm clouds. You should be able to discern these things. Um, well, how were things like? Well, according to uh, Genesis 6-5, how were things like in the days of Noah? Uh, it says, then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Uh, and Jesus said, as it, as it, is, as it uh, was in the days of the Son of Man, so, or as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be uh, in his return. And we see these things in our lifetime, don't we? We see evil just canvassing the globe. And I know that you know, the world has had uh, many other periods, whether it's World War II or going back to the Crusades or uh, you know, many other times. But uh, we are living in uh, times where we see a wickedness that's rising. Uh, listen to this quote uh, that Joel Rosenberg said just this week. He said, something wicked is rising in the Middle East. Radical jihadists like ISIS, Hamas, and Iran want to annihilate Jews, Christians, and moderate Muslims. They, they're not just, uh, even moderate Muslims are being beheaded. Uh, there is a demonic, I mean, it is demonic. It is pure evil what is taking place. Uh, the bloodthirstiness reminds me when I read the history books and I see the kind of things that the Assyrians would do, or I see the kind of things that the Philistines would do, and you would say, people don't do that stuff anymore. In They're doing it again. Crucifixions, like the Roman Empire, the rise of... Because all of that Satan and his horde were behind these empires. That's why even when it says in the book of Daniel that when Daniel was was his prayer life was, was butted up against the demonic activity. He said the prince of Persia, right? Why did it say the prince of Persia was withholding his prayers or actually in a battle with another angel <laughs> of, over his prayers? Well, because the prince of Persia was either Satan himself or a high-ranking demon that was behind the Persian Empire and has always been behind these wicked times of history that have risen up. And we're seeing one now. There's no way, you know, I when I watch things, uh, when I watch things of like, you know, I'm watching kind of, you know, uh, a footage of, let's say, 1928. You know, I, I like to watch History Channel. I like to watch these things. When I'm wa I always think of myself, I'm watching in 28, and I'm like, those people had no idea that 10 years later they would be herding people into rail cars and taking them to ovens. If you'd have told someone in 1928, you're not going to believe this, they're going to actually build railways, I mean, from all over Europe to bring it to a central point and actually uh, put people in there like they're slaughtering pigs. And you'd say, well, that could never happen again. Do you realize that people in, in street demonstrations in places like Paris and around Europe have actually been saying, bring it back? Not, not, not. They're saying other things like just kill uh, Jewish people and things. So the demonic activity, Jesus said, the way it was in the days of Noah, when the heart of man became so evil and the demonic activity became so strong, we see these things happening again. But we see another demonic activity at the same time, which I believe is just as deceptive, 
but it doesn't rear itself in the same way. The same demons that are instilling in a part of the world where it's anarchy and really any army that's strongest can rise to the top. It's the way it kind of works. In our nation, the same demons are saying, singing lullabies to the people. The same demons. See, Satan is brilliant. Absolutely, he's an angel of light, the scriptures say. And the same demons that are actually behind all the evil and blood and cutting people up into pieces and all that nastiness that you say, wow, I can't understand. Those same demons, well, maybe the higher ranking ones are working on everybody else saying, go back to sleep now. Your favorite show comes on at nine. Nothing to worry about. That is not your problem. That's somebody else's problem. Isn't that a same demons? They all work for the same Satan. And the ones in the Western world have a different job title. It is keep the people sound asleep, dredge up the Proverbs that Ezekiel had to deal with, and just repackage them in different terms and make sure that they are just tuning every, make sure that they're on satellite music all day, make sure that they're doing this, make sure they're going here, they've got to get from here, they've got to get to here, got to get to here, got to do this, work on your career, get a third degree, anything that, that just, just kind of pursue life's goals and don't worry because what's happening around the rest of the world, that's, it, well, it comes and goes. But I'll tell you, some of these things aren't going to come and go, they're going to continue to build. Why? Because Jesus is going to return. And they have, um, you know, we have in our own country, you know, people, sadly, I mean, we pamper our pets more than, you, you know that, right? We, we pamper our pets more than a lot of people live. You know, we're Lee and Zachar in India, or we're Dane and Erica in the Philippines. I mean, uh, American pets do better and so, and so God's not going to hold our nation guiltless for all these things. He's not. Eventually, all the things that Jerusalem, they were just kind of, hey, that, you know, we can abort our babies. We can have any kind of sexual relationship we want. We can do anything we want. And all these things, eventually, God is going to call into account, isn't he? I saw, just, you know, remember just a couple of years ago, they legalized drugs in Colorado. Um, I saw, uh, I was watching a thing about the drug cartels. You know what they're doing now? Because uh, marijuana, the price of marijuana for the drug dealers has dropped when they legalized it. <laughs> you never solve a problem by actually imposing more sin on the land, uh, just, just so our leaders can know this. Uh, what the drug cartels now are pushing are way stronger and way more addictive drugs and they cost more. So now we've got kids in Colorado getting hooked on crystal meth and harder drugs because that's what the cartels push. I read an article today about the sexual exploitation of children. This is an article I read today. And an FBI spokeswoman based in San Antonio, she said this. She says, the sexual exploitation of our youth, young people, uh, youth being young people, children and teens, is increasing exponentially. This is her quote. Today I read it. It's not just because we're getting better at understanding the threat. She goes on to say, the threat is getting worse. Why? Because the parents and the grandparents stopped teaching the fear and the admonition of the Lord, and then each generation became more disattached from the ways of the Lord, and so you have more and more of just uh, amoral behavior, and then caught in the crossfires, are innocent children being pulled into these things, being uh, exploited. But somebody, God sends Ezekiel, he has to still sound the warning, doesn't he? He has to still take the bread and water. He has to still shake and say, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't matter if the people believe him. It doesn't matter if the exiles say, eh, heard it before, you did, you did like 10 other illustrations that were better than that one. It doesn't matter if the people believe it, he's going to be accountable, did he do what the Lord told him to do? 
Did he share the truth with them? But it's not enough just to share it. You and I have to have our hearts right. Matthew Henry said, When ministers speak of the ruin coming upon impenitent sinners, they must endeavor to speak feelingly as those who know the terrors of the Lord. And they must be content to endure hardness because not everyone's going to receive the message well. And that they may but do good. To do good, you have to tell people the truth. But you have to do it with the right heart. It can't be condemning, but you still have to share the truth in love. I'll close with two quick things. Greg Laurie, uh, he said this week, this week he actually sent it out on Twitter, but I, I had to share it. He said, as this world gets darker, we must ask ourselves the question, what side am I on? And if I'm on the Lord's side, it's time to get serious. That's what Greg said. This week, you know, he's sharing at the Harvest, you know, uh, outreach that we're going to show, Lord willing, in the back of our property on the grass. And that's a great question. If we're on the Lord's side, he says it's time to get serious. I agree with Joe Rosenberg that an evil is rising. I agree with Greg that the world is getting darker. Some people will tell me, a matter of fact, I have a family member, not not five years ago, used to tell me, oh, the things are the same as they've always... Every generation said that. You know, it's been cool. They don't say that to me anymore. Five years later, they're saying to me, I think things are way different than they were two generations ago. But this family member used to tell me, I mean, we get almost in my face mad about it, saying, it's not any different. It's not any different. They said that in the 20s. They said that in the 1850s. They said that... And now, as they've been reading their own Bible on their own time, they start asking questions. Do you think this is about today? Do you think this is about today? I'm like, and I have to really, instead of saying, where were you? I was like, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great observation. (laughs) That is a wonderful, where did you get that? That's a really good idea. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. James said in James 5, 8, you also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. God says it's at hand. God says that these things are closer than what we believed. God says these things are closer than we actually believe they are. What do you believe? While we stand and close in prayer together. Father, we, we just thank you that your word is faithful and true. Uh, we're thankful for the blessings that you've given us and the freedoms you've given us. But Lord, we, we just ask that you would uh, just be merciful to us. Keep us awake. Keep us filled with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your peace and your love and your joy. Lord, give us a, a burning desire uh, for the things of God. Give us a desire to share and a boldness to share for people that are right now, Lord under condemnation and don't even know it. We pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes and the ears of our nation. You would turn our own country back to you, Lord. You're not willing or desiring to bring judgment any more than you were on the apple of your eye, Israel. And yet, Lord, you did. And we pray, Lord, that in our own country, not just here, but in France and in Germany and and, uh, Africa and South America, around the world, that there would be a great awakening among all the nations before you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.